0: Ooh, man, this movie! God damn, this movie is fucking great. <laughs> oh man, I really, I really do love Jedi, man. Like, and I was, I was so disappointed when all that like racist shit started popping up against Rose. Like, like I was really fucking.
1: Like, well, sad. it was the I same tried. shit that started when the seven trailer released and people were like stormtroopers aren't black who who this nigga in the desert <laughs> Moses <laughs> <laughs> oh man
0: bro we got to get these racist geeks out of here <laughs>
1: Also, I'm uh, I'm just watching Jamie Lee Curtis go. I read your call, uh, your uh, profile in the New Yorker, and found it delightful. And I just, <laughs> God, I love her so much. Yeah, she's she's really good, and uh, I was out. She's like really good. She's really good in everything. She's even good in Lindsay Lohan's Freaky Friday, like. Yeah,
0: her career's she has a a lot of um a lot of bangers in her career.
1: Like she's just good.
0: Very good, yeah. She is very very good.
1: Jamie Lee Curtis is good. Change my mind. You can't.
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of very good, Ryan Johnson. Oh, so, what a boy! So this is the third installment of our. Director trilogy series, um, where we explore for this episode the uh, the, the recent uh, output from Ryan Johnson. Um, he is about thirteen years older than me, which for some reason uh, it kind of sticks out, but I don't know. I, I have no idea
1: why though. Um, I mean, he also his first movie was like two thousand eight. Uh, 2006.
0: Brick. Brick was 2006.
1: Yeah, but then he doesn't do anything again really until Looper, right? Uh,
0: no. Uh, 2009, he did this movie called The Brothers Bloom. He's the screenwriter on that.
1: Okay, but he doesn't direct much. Uh,
0: much. I mean, yeah, I would say looking at his total directing, I think it's only um, I think he's he's out at five. No, he's at. Well, let's see. Um, oh, he actually did direct *Brothers Bloom*. So, mm-hmm. including the trilogy we're going to cover, uh, *Knives Out* is uh, number five. Apart from some, apart from some like uh, short films he's done,
1: and so, episodes of *Breaking Bad*.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Blood he's out. done
1: what? Five movies. One, two.
0: Yeah, Brick Bloom, mm-hmm. Looper,
1: Jedi, yep. Night's Four, 10. five, yeah. So we we picked three of his five movies. They happened to be the three most recent, uh, and that's largely due to the fact that Brick wasn't streaming anywhere right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, so don't don't take it personal. Uh, Ryan Johnson stands. Uh, we too are Ryan Johnson stands. So great news. Um. So what did you what did you think going through this? Well, um,
0: well, to be fair, like well, not even to be fair to give some background. Um, I actually never knew of Ryan Johnson before Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know about Looper in its existence at all. At uh, all? Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know anything about Looper at all. mm Hmm. Um. And actually, whenever it was announced, you know, this guy, you know, he would be directing Last Jedi. Um, I remember, I remember not being like nervous about it, only because I knew for the original trilogy, um, you know, Lucas, you know, he didn't direct um, Empire, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like I had a lot of good feelings from Force Awakens, so it was kind of like you know Disney there. They're doing they're doing well with these movies, and so, you know, it's basically I don't need to doubt it until they give me reason to doubt it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I was open to uh, Jedi. Um, but before we get to Jedi, you know, we're gonna talk about the movies in succession.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so the movie we're gonna kick off with is Looper. Um, Looper came out in 2012. Um, it stars uh, Bruce Willis and Jordan Gos- uh, uh, Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Gordon. <laughs> yeah, I, it's the uh, probably the dyslexia kicking mm-hmm. in there. Um, so, it, like I said, it was a movie I was not familiar with at all. Um, it has a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes, um, which, you know, was a good sign. But, you know, the, the Rotten Tomato meter is not the end-all, be-all. Uh, Basically, a synopsis of the movie that's on um, Rotten Tomatoes now. In uh, the futuristic action thriller, Looper time travel will be invented, but it will be illegal and only available on the black market. When the mob wants to get rid of someone, they will send their targets 30 years into the past, where Looper, a hired gun like Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the movie, his name is Joe, uh, is there to pop up. Uh, Joe is getting rich in the good life until the day the moms decide to close his loop. And so, in the movie, um, Joe is sort of going through this, uh, you know, he's basically, you know, killing these people, getting paid for it, but then he's noticing the other assassins and, the, and the, um, his fellow assassins, their loops are getting closed. So closing their loop is when their future selves are sent back to be killed, and, you know, eventually, you know, the old Joe gets sent back and then, you know, adventure ensues. Um so but So
1: this to me exists in this like weird subgenre of history of movies, I would say, of the like post inception world where they're kind of these gritty real ish deep sci-fi movies
0: is that a good thing or a bad thing in your
1: eyes it, I mean it depends if it does a good job or not
0: so what about for you so for looper um, was this a movie that you just saw or is this something you saw when it came out
1: I saw back when it came out um not I'd say about a year after it came out so I saw it for my science fiction class. Uh, in high school shout out to Mr. Rilla uh, it was one of the movies that we watched during our double double block period um, and then we would have kind of an over the weekend homework assignment about the movie about you know it's place in science fiction is it science fiction etc cetera, etc cetera. and also kind of examining the, the philosophical implications of certain aspects of the film um, but back in 2014 okay um and i remember in 2014 the only thing that i liked about the movie at all was that they were growing sugarcane in kansas and that was a good (laughs) commentary on global warming (laughs) that was the only aspect of the movie i appreciated
0: how old? You said 2014, so 17? Yeah, 16? 17,
1: 17. 17. I was oh. 17 then.
0: Damn.
1: Yeah. Um, so. I just remember thinking that the movie was very, like, gratuitous. Like, I have, I have since realized, revisiting Ryan Johnson movies, that maybe the ultra violence that exists in Looper is not his thing
0: what do you mean chocolate
1: so i think that he does a really beautiful job of the kind of mundanity of murder um like i think that's a thing that he does a beautiful job with in looper right like i believe that joseph gordon levitt drives out to this field every day checks his watch is like all right come on you know kills the guy dumps the body Collects the reward. Like, you know, it's very boring. But I get the sense that, like, in certain aspects of this movie, and while upon rewatching it, I really enjoyed it, but I still feel that Ryan Johnson is a character director, he's a story director. And I don't know that Looper is the best use of his talents.
0: Well, what do you... So, between the three movies... Mm -hmm. um,
1: What do you think his talents are? So, I think the first thing that I noticed... Is that he is really good... At creating these small little moments... In characters... That make them feel like they've existed... For their whole lives. You know what I mean? You know, take kid blue for instance uh from looper or even uh suzy who has one of the uh like strippers hookers i don't know what that whole situation is but you know what i mean yeah, she uh, hooks, and, like, yeah. they got they feel like they have a whole life you know even just in the way that like at one point kid blue like winces when a certain word is used and you're like oh okay like that, that's never explained. Like, well, kid blue had a tragic backstory that hinges on this and this, and this is why he's called kid blue and that, and that, like, but it still is like a very lived in character and world. Um, and that to me really shines also in, um, last Jedi and knives out. So for me, I think he's, he's a really good director of actors and characters. That is kind of the first hallmark that I, I really noticed. I also think he really likes stories with a lot of emotion, but also a lot of logic and thought.
3: Then I saw it. I saw a mom who would die for her son. A man who would kill for his wife. A boy, angry and alone. Laid out in front of him, the bad path, I saw it. And the path was a circle. Round and round.
1: One thing that I I kind of noticed upon revisiting The Last Jedi, as well as Knives Out and Looper, is the amount of faith he has in people to do the right thing. But because people have thought about it, his his he wears his principles on his sleeve.
0: No, I think that's I I do think that's one of the better things that he does. Um, in particular with uh, his characters that he develops and then he writes. Um, I I do think that he does. Um. Unlike I guess um, who we covered last week, uh, Ridley Scott. Like I do think Johnson does at least in his writing of these people, he does see the good in people and he kind of, he wants to push and he wants to test it, Mm
2: -hmm. um,
0: but he does it in sort of, you know, sort of actually realistic ways. Um, You know, he has multiple characters that are, you know, they, they're innately good, but they're always conflicting with a world that tells them, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that goodness isn't real or it, It's not really needed or wanted here. Like, I have Last Jedi on the background right now, and Rey is someone who, you know, she's the protagonist, you know, she's innately good, but throughout Last Jedi, she's constantly battling um, Luke, who has sort of given up on life, and she's trying to turn uh, Ben back into the side of right. So, and then even in her, you know, she's just having this real conflict of, you know, I want to do the right thing. Why the fuck can I do it? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think I do think that's the strength of his, um, and he I think he tests people in really realistic ways, and he pulls off in all three movies. And my um, mm-hmm. summation, but for you, so going a little bit back because you do you do have a history more for Looper than I do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so from your initial viewing to now, um, I know you said that you know. On this viewing, you did like it better than initially, um, but take us back a little bit more to, uh, even beyond you know, the um, sugar cane you're talking about, but what are some of the things that you think that Looper fails in?
1: So for me, I think that Looper, first of all, by drawing attention to the fact that time travel is confusing and bad, Generally, as a plot device, because pretty much every time it comes up, someone goes, I don't want to explain it. Like, once that is cute, I understand it. Twice, I am. It wears thin, and it's just a thing that you notice, especially when the central kind of conceit of the movie is, There's time travel. Like, I believe the first line of the movie is, There is time travel, it is immediately outlawed. So the fact that the timeline is never really established and is it the marvel multiverse thing like it just in my mind that is very uh, to steal a to steal a phrase from a blank check with griffin and david a podcast that i love about movies it's a little sweaty my memory's cloudy
3: it's a cloud because my memories aren't really memories they're just one possible eventuality now and they grow clearer cloudier as they become more or less likely but then they get to the present moment and they're instantly clear again I can remember what you do after you do it and it hurts so even when we're apart you can remember what I do after I do it yes but this is a precise description of a fuzzy mechanism it's it's messy
1: You know, it it feels like it's maybe working a little too hard to make that point, at least for me. The other thing that I don't love about it is I genuinely don't feel enough for Joe, which is so weird. Because I feel every other background character in this movie has a little personality, right? Like, even the fact that Abe, who's, you know, the Jeff Daniels character, keeps bringing it back to the 20th century affectations and, oh my god, those fucking ties. Like, I feel like he's got... Some shit, right? I feel like Joe, all of our story about him is told to us. He kind of starts to do the right thing. But, like, because it's a kid, he never really matures. The only lesson that he learns is that, like, I should probably save this kid because otherwise it's going to be shit. For me, ostensibly. Like... I don't know that he progresses enough as a character. That doesn't well, I mean that the movie itself isn't interesting or, like, attention-grabbing, but I don't... Well,
0: I think that it's not... I think that's actually done kind of purposefully, and I think you... I think Ryan wants us to be... I think in a lot of ways he wants us to be more committed to Ojo. Joe... Than to young joe because young joe is you know he's a he's a drug addict hitman
2: mm-hmm. who,
0: who is very cold and very calculated i mean he gives up his 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 good friend to save his own ass
2: mm-hmm. so i don't
0: i don't think ryan wants us to really have sympathy for him but i think it's more for old joe when this the bruce wills character you know he so he says
3: Saves my life. Yes. Let's take a look at your life. You're a killer. You're a junkie. You're a fucking child mentality. What's my my life? Save your life. You're asking me how. The question's why. Why would someone sacrifice their life? Why would someone waste themselves? Cut your high and mighty bullshit. I don't need my life. Shut S- your fucking child mouth. He's so self-absorbed and stupid and she's gonna clean you up and she's gonna... You're gonna take her love like a sponge and you think maybe I'm clear of the past maybe I'm safe
0: He's seasoned he found love in this woman he's Mm kicked his habit and he's willing to do anything for his wife, and so I do agree that for Young Joe, there wasn't very much. There's not much redemption for him until, until about three fourths of the movie, I would say.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I think that's actually when it turns, when you when we go from like wanting to see you know old Joe want to save his wife's life. To, you know, him, you know, murdering a kid. (laughs) Like, it flips. And so then it's like, well, shit. I I spent, like, half of the movie trying to ruin a guy who just murdered a kid to save his wife that may not even really be his wife in the end. Mm -hmm. And so, so, yeah, I do think Ryan... I think Ryan did actually kind of want to flip it in that sort of way, which I, I do think is pretty interesting. My, now, my
1: only qualm with that is that we do have a montage of Old Joe murdering children. And yes, he feels remorseful for it, but he still does it. Yeah, no, no, I,
0: I think whenever he kills a kid, that's when it's like, well, he's he's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so any, any like stock that Old Joe has built up, it's a big right. John when he kills this this kid. But for you specifically, though, were there anything else about Looper uh, that you found kind of questionable?
1: I really wanted just a little bit more about Emily Blunt's character. Like, I like who she is now, but the fact that she immediately knows what a looper is, I was like, but, "What? Who? Who are you? Wait a minute, come back!"
0: Uh, well, I think they tried to explain that whenever she said she was a uh, in the downtown, which. I guess, you know, she was in the mix. Is and it so, implied
1: that she was hooking? Like, what is... I mean,
0: probably. Like, it basically implied that, like, the reason she, she gave up her child to her, her sister is because... She like, didn't want
1: to give up her life. Um,
0: well, I mean, maybe she could Like, I mean, it, I guess in a situation of where, like, she was in a space where she had a kid but she couldn't take care of it. And she knew that she couldn't do it, so she, you know, she passed it along to the sister. And mm-hmm. so when the sister died, she had to, you know, clean herself up, move out to the sticks, and then, you know, raise raise her son. Yeah. Uh, so if she's in the mix like that in the downtown scene, I mean, it's I don't think it's that big of a stretch to know that, you know, he was she would know loopers that put in work.
1: Yeah. The other thing that is like uh, just a little so, first of all, I don't buy their chemistry at all. There's no romantic chemistry. There's no reason that they needed to fuck. I mean, <laughs> that was more lust.
0: <laughs> I think that was just more lust, like, because, I mean, I don't know, man. Them cold nights in that form boy. <laughs> I literally just
1: wrote, why are we making out? Oh, boy, science fiction cliche make out. You know how much I love those in my science fiction. Woman and man must make out. It is science fiction.
0: Hey man, you know that live living—it gets cold at night.
1: <laughs> if they had given me a little bit more romantic chemistry there, just at all, even if it was just like you know some some a little bit longer lingering looks, you know, like something, I think I probably would have been a little more down with it. It just seems so out of nowhere, from like child, don't talk to him, don't look at him, don't think about him. How dare you imply I'm not his mother? We should fuck. Like it's like whoa, 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 ah.
0: <laughs> You don't gotta be in love. The fuck.
1: <laughs> I mean, I know, but like, it I, seemed but, like it was building something there. Um, and I then I don't, I, to, I don't to, to to use a fairly crass turn of phrase. I feel like it blew its load a little too early.
0: By them like having sex that early?
1: Yeah, I um, feel like there needed to be a little more build up of some sort.
0: I think if they do that, honestly, I think it, it turns into cheese. Because like, I don't, I don't think they're going down a path of like. I think you know the funny is I was actually thinking in the movie were they trying to set it up to whereas you know. And I think actually, I think Brian actually did want to play into that, where it's like old Joe, he had his um his Chinese you know wife, mm-hmm. was going to pivot to now, you know her being the wife, mm-hmm. and I don't know, I'm I'm actually kind of I think I do think it's a very thin line between um, something that doesn't feel maybe 100 percent there and cheese. I think mm-hmm. if they would have had like the longing looks. And like the dialogue of like, oh my god, thank you for saving us. Can I give you some pussy as a thank you? I don't
1: <laughs> I don't even mean that. I just mean like a lingering look. Like literally anything more than just like, oh my god, there's a fucking looper in my garage. Like, cause I feel like it it didn't need to be that, but like there's one moment where she kind of looks at him when he's like shirtless and injured. And she kind of has a little like And then, like, like, even he seems surprised (laughs) when it happens.
0: Hey, man.
1: And I don't know that it's like to my mind, and I may be reading into this too much. It's not like a pleasant surprise, like an OMG, let me get a part of that. Like he, his hands literally go like initially, and I'm like,
0: no, I think I. I, I've seen that look before. It was a pleasant surprise.
1: <laughs> I mean, we get there eventually, but, like... Uh, also, uh, so, this takes place in 2044. Yeah. Sid was born in 2039, so that means he's five. Yeah. So that kind of tracks. I don't mind that. Uh, initially, because we read the the like preview too fast, we thought it was 2042, and I'm like, there's no fucking way a three-year-old can do this. Like, I don't care if he's a superpowered three-year-old. He's a three-year-old. Like it was big Akira vibes going on, man. Yeah, I also feel like he has a little bit of Anakin Skywalker energy. Oh yeah, hell yeah. You know that that childhood. You know.
0: You know he's growing up talking about coarse sand with some broad like.
1: Mm I hate sugar. It's coarse and rough and sticky, and it gets everywhere.
0: But flour, so soft to the touch.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like this kid, though. At one point, my dad was literally like, this kid rules. And I was like, yeah, no. This kid's performance was super dope. He was good. The,
0: the kid actor was really good.
1: The, the moment where he looks up at... Uh, After he's like hugging his leg and there's just the tear tracks and the blood.
0: Yeah, that was pretty gnarly.
1: That's a pretty powerful moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. So, oh, so going back to something you kind of talked on for like a second. So, Mm -hmm. in in your high school, you guys debated if this was a sci fi movie or not.
1: We, we debated whether or not it counted as science fiction based on the kind of, I would say, literary canon definition of science fiction. So where do you fall? Uh, so for for those of you uh, viewing slash listening at home, uh, I think that it is worth uh, reminding you that the canon definition of science fiction is a world uh, in which there is a punctum. A punctum is a thing that is different Uh, So by that uh, kind of example, The Birds, the Alfred Hitchcock film, is a science fiction film because the punctum is that birds like the taste of human eyeballs. Like, that's the change. Um, Now, movies that take place in the future, a little hard to tell because we don't know exactly what the future is going to be like, obviously. Uh, But I would make the argument that this is, in its strictest form, a science fiction film. Uh, because it is the idea of uh, what if there is a future when time travel exists? So that is the kind of one change thing. Uh, also, by that argument though, we then make you know, well, is science fiction Is, is what? Star Wars science fiction.
0: Yeah, or is it fantasy. Is I, Dune? I ask, uh, I ask some people if they think
1: um
0: Star Wars is sci-fi. I've never thought about Star Wars being sci-fi. Like, yeah, there's like, you know, light speed spaceships, there's laser swords, but I I just think it's more fantasy, especially with the religion aspect of Star Wars. That's the driving force. Like like the the science of Star Wars is not the driving force of Star Wars. And so I think but I think because of that, I don't consider sci-fi. But Looper, the baseline of Looper is time travel, and this right. guy is seeing himself from thirty years in the future. So now I, there I think there is
1: an argument that could be made for Star Wars that the punctum of Star Wars is the intro, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I don't know that it is a strong argument but it is an argument that could be made and argued if you so wished.
0: I guess what Dom Toretto said.
1: Ask any racer, any real racer. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. I don't know that that is an argument that holds a lot of water, though. Uh, You know, but that's a, a similar issue with Dune, right? Is the idea of, like, well, is Dune science fiction? Because Dune, in a lot of cases, is what we consider kind of the ultimate science fiction. It's an interesting thought exercise, although I do not know that it actually matters. Uh, But so I I think that this movie passes the science fiction test. Um, I also think upon a, a revisit, it passes the, this is definitely a movie I had to grow into test.
0: So what are things you like now about the movie? Uh,
1: One thing that I definitely noticed is those little characterization moments that I mentioned. Um, And this is actually something that my dad said, and I I really stuck with it. Uh, My dad likes to watch some of these movies with me, Um, you know, and we kind of go through these together. I know he's come up before. Uh, He does not listen to the podcast, though. Uh, So so your
0: dad doesn't know your Harrison Ford power boner rankings?
1: uh no <laughs> uh which it's probably better that way um for the best because like we're gonna have to talk about chris evans on this one and like ooh, Ow it's it's coming at you it's coming at you like cleopatra um i'm gonna play like a boing like uh sound effects No, you've got to play the, like, the Carlos Danger music that was really, like, on the Daily Show that year that John Oliver took over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, staying back on track so we can get to, uh... So we can get to the the
1: sexy music times. Yeah. Uh, so... I... I really like the the character moments in here. Uh, One thing that I really noticed this time was the music. Um... So I'm a, I'm a music nerd as well as a film nerd. Uh, there's a Paul Thompson song that I really love that was in there. But also, in my mind, the more important one uh, is when uh, Joe, young Joe, is in the diner waiting for old Joe. A song is playing by Warren Zevon, who you might know as the guy who made Werewolves of London. He also wrote a lot of really popular music uh, in the 70s. Uh, he and Linda Ronstadt were great collaborators. Uh, and the song that is playing in the diner is called Carmelita. Uh, and the the line that this kind of scene is predicated on is uh, Carmelita, hold me tighter. I think I'm sinking down. I'm all strung out on heroin on the outskirts of town. And that ends when old Joe walks in. Mm. Mm. And I was like, oh, hello, foreshadowing and also like reincorporation. Hello. Like, um, so I noticed a lot more of those little touches and flourishes and details and even the way uh, in the beginning when Seth is in the safe in the basement and Joe just says the coffee's in the tin like <laughs> I know you're gonna be here a while you might as well get comfortable like it made the whole thing feel very real and also very realized if that makes sense, yeah. So not only is it a world that's good, but it's a world that is lived in.
0: Yeah, it definitely feels like a. Um, it it does feel like, and I guess not just with this movie, but something that Ryan Johnson does well. When we talk about Ridley Scott, um, just the environment creating, and the world building. Especially for Looper, um, it does feel very authentic. It does feel something that you could really sell on in you know another twenty five years in the future, like a dystopian Kansas would look like this. Yeah, um, yeah. So he he definitely built it out very well, um, which I do think is one of the strong points of the film. It's kind of like when I even when I said earlier how it, the kid was like. Part of Akira, like, like this. I think this movie is kind of like a little bit of like Blade Runner with a little bit of like Terminator and a little bit of like Judge Dredd. Like, there's a lot of um, pieces that he puts together, but he does it like in a very interesting way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, he's this this Ryan fella, He's got some talent to say the least. Before we before we pivot to. A movie that's near and dear to my heart. And mine. What are some final thoughts that you have for Looper?
1: I think Looper is very good. I do not think it is a great movie. I think the, the time travel thing is sticky. It doesn't... Like, there was a time... There were a couple of times where I had to just pause and recap real quick to make sure that I was on the same page with the movie, which I don't love. But overall, I would give it... I think I gave it three and a half. I think it's a really strong start, and especially because it's fairly early in his body of work. Like, all of those good ideas that I think I'm going to be yelling about how good they are more in the next two movies are there. And I really like seeing what those kind of seeds planted here grew into.
0: Um, so for me, I I gave Looper... uh um <laughs> I gave Rupert four and a half. <laughs> mm. Like I think so. For me, like uh, I didn't have any. I didn't have any issues necessarily with the time travel. Um, even the spots when, um, especially when jo- uh, Joseph Young Joe was falling out of the window, and then they pivoted to the future, then that reeled back into the a little bit of the past. And then he brought it into The Current. Um, I actually... I didn't necessarily think that was lost to me. Um, I didn't really get hung up on... Kind of like, you know... The time travel aspect of it. Um, but... Other than that... Um, the Gatman... Um, the the crime of the movie... Like the action of the movie...
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I thought it was actually done fairly well. Um, I think the ending of the movie... Was pretty good. Um I do think that, um, especially for young Joe, who he's kind of the movie's protagonist, but he's more like an anti-hero, where mm-hmm. he's he's really only motivated to save the kid's life, but not really motivated to do any other type of good. Um, I think at the end, when he you know has a self-sacrifice of you know killing himself to save... You know the kids from Old Joe, or the kid and the wife from Old Joe. Um, I think that was a pretty powerful sort of thing. Um, I didn't really see it coming, but I'm, I'm really glad with the movie ended in, in that sort of way. Um, I know I, I I like the and shout out to Jeff Daniels, who when I was a very young kid, I always um, got confused him with like the dude that was on Full House.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you mean Dave Coulier, who yeah. used to date Alanis Morissette?
0: Yes. For some reason, when I was young, <laughs> I used to, I used to get them confused. I
1: and I don't know. It's, it's a thing. <laughs> like, sorry, I'm just gonna have like a quick little Alanis Morissette bender over
0: here. If y'all could have saw the face that cat made when I gave that piece of my soul to her, <laughs> like, I mean, I, I mean, man, this is a this is a trust circle. So I will
1: yes. I will keep it and protect it forever. But do know that I judged you briefly upon receiving it. Oh, well, you gotta remember, I I I watched Full House when it was like on TV. Like I was a young ass
0: kid. And then all of a sudden, Dumb and Dumber comes out. I'm like, wow, the guy from Full Houses in like, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> yes, so yes, amazing. I know. I know it was very amazing. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, I I think in summation, I do think I like the movie a little bit more than you did, but I do think we agree that there are definitely aspects of the film that are that are fairly well. But I also agree with you when you say. Um, This is kind of like a preamble to the sort of greatness that um, Ryan is going to show in Jedi and also in Knives Out. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's pivot to a movie that's near and dear to both our hearts, um, Last Jedi. So I don't don't even know where to begin with Jedi because there's so many places to go with Last Jedi
1: that... I think I should probably start with my initial reaction when I first saw it.
0: All right. So let's, let's go. Okay. So one, that is a very great thing to start with. So let's go with both our initial reaction, the Jedi, the, the subsequent, you know, quote unquote backlash to Jedi. Then where we are basically a year and a half later. Um, so what were your initial thoughts, uh, well, actually, shit, two and a half years later.
1: What were your initial thoughts to The Last Jedi? So, I saw the movie on the Thursday night of the, like, when it came out, right? Me too, yes. And it was, like, the last night before finals started. Like, it was a tough time to be going to see a movie an hour away with a bunch of my friends, but I felt like I needed to do it. And I left the theater, and I hated it.
3: What makes me want to get close to someone and snuggle? Fear. Salutations, I'm Melisette, and on A Frightful Fret
0: with Melisette, I read classic horror stories combining audiobooks and audio drama into a podcast. Come away with me into the darkness and let me make your ears tingle with a sensation of terror. A Frightful Fret with Melisette. Available everywhere podcasts are and find us at Ourfrightfulfret
1: dot net. Don't forget.
2: Oh!
1: You're I it. No, 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 no. Hear me out. Because <laughs> now it might be my favorite. Okay,
0: but no. Walk us through the initial reaction. Keep walking us through it.
1: I love Rey. Rey might have been at the time, I would say less so with 9, which is unfortunate. But with 7, Rey was like my favorite thing Star Wars had made in a long time. Um, it was so nice to have a female who was powerful and empowered and a Jedi and one of the boys and like, you know, that kind of energy while still being herself. You know, she has moments where she's feminine. She has moments where she fixes her hair. It's not just, you know, Ray is one of the boys, but hot. Um, and I was, so particularly offended by one choice in this movie and that is Ray's you don't know him like I do I can fix him let me fix him let me try energy because I feel like they took Ray and took her from this really kind of everyone for themselves blended character to now still a I need to protect what's mine by the end of seven but now with friends to an eight Well, you don't know him like I do. I can change him. And I was like, uh, uh, uh. You don't have
3: to do this. I feel the conflict in you. It's tearing you apart. Ben, when we touched hands, I saw your future. Just the shape of it, but solid and clear. You will not bow before Snoke. You'll turn.
1: Oh no!
0: She uh, she tries to save him a
1: lot, yeah. And she gets dangerously close to the manic pixie dream girl line, in my opinion. Oh, she's yeah, yeah, yeah. As someone who has been, I would say, forcibly placed in the manic pixie dream girl role a lot. I was so mad that that was the direction they chose to take her. Because I'm all in on her journey of self-discovery when she goes down, uh, I, what do I call it, uh, the surrealism hole.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and has that kind of moment where she, she communes with herself and asks to see her parents and all she sees is herself. And, you know, maybe that's because she raised herself, she's a product of herself, even if she was born of other people you know, the idea that the Force can come from anywhere and that power can come from anywhere and that strength can come from junk traders on Jakku who left her there. All in on that. Love that. All in on Kylo Ren and Rey's connection because let's not forget, she made her first friend, like, less than a year ago.
0: Like... All these things you're saying, I'm having a hard time understanding... Why you hated it, though? Well, My why... initial
1: reaction was just visceral upset.
0: Well, that oh, I, they sorry. had
1: to turn Rey into a woman who can fix it. Yeah. Okay. Fix okay him. Yeah, I'm kidding, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And that is still an issue that I have with this movie. I still feel that... Rey's characterization as... Strong, independent woman who maybe trusted wrongly i like it a little better if it's her naivete but i feel like they made her so savvy in every other aspect that it's hard to believe that she's naive about this at this point
0: i think it's interesting to explore is it naivete or something else um because i i do i like i said everything you're saying is is valid is was was valid in 2017 and in 2020, like, it, it is still kind of violent. I do think that, well, I don't... Well, one, our perspectives are kind of different. So, you seeing a woman character in absolute of light, you can't see the holes of how a man's perspective would be. I didn't necessarily think it was a bad thing that she was trying to play Captain and Save him. Um, she, but I think it's because... We had that sort of relationship with Luke and how his father was a murdering fascist. And in the original trilogy, you know, he wanted to do everything to save him. And I was kind of going off of that sort of respect. and But also her wanting to learn more about the force and what it actually means. Yes. Um, I think from just from my perspective, I didn't necessarily have a problem with her being Captain saving. But I can definitely see from from your perspective how that would be a be kind of a hinge to have to live with.
1: I also feel that Poe Dameron. I st- I still think I feel this is done a little bit of a disservice by this movie. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Now hear me out. Yeah, I'm hearing you out. Yeah, yeah. Because in my mind. And by the way, like I still love this movie. I know I'm airing out all my dirty laundry first, but that's so I can just geek out about all the good stuff for like the rest of this movie. Um I feel that in the last movie, Poe is obviously sassy and self assured and kind of, you know, just charismatic and charming and absolutely my favorite thing about The Force Awakens, and like, God. Uh but In this movie, his brashness is just dialed up too much, in my opinion. So all of that moment of like, hey, hey, like, hey, buddy, like, what's your name? Like, oh, I'm gonna call you Finn. Like, those kind of connecting moments, I feel are gone. So like, if you've read any of the novels to the comics, which you should not have to read to enjoy this movie, it is really clear That he really respects Leia. Like, he wants to be General Leia Organa when he grows up. Like, that is his hero. That is his idol. That is his icon. Right? So the fact that he literally doesn't respect possibly her dying wish is just a little incongruous with the yes, General, is there anything else I can do, General, while still being a little bit sassy and full of shit from the first, like, from seven. Especially because every scene he's in could be summed up with one of them yelling, we're trying to train you for command! Uh, once, great. Show show me some progress. Or show me his actions actually having consequences because then in nine he is immediately promoted when it's needed. So all of the times he fucked up in this movie did not mean anything.
0: I don't know. I, I actually have this sort of opposite... Uh, viewpoint only because I can see specifically how in Force Awakens they really were trying to build him as Han, but Han joined the Force, so like the that the Force, but like the the army. alliance. Yeah, and so I do think that sort of cockiness and brashness that was apparent. Well, it's I think. I mean, I was saying, there's, there's like a really small difference between being short and being cocky. And I think in this one, I do agree that they do they do turn the cockiness meter up on a, like a, I would say like a nine and a half. Well, actually it's a ten. He tries to revolt against, <laughs> against Holder. But um, I kind of do think that sort of the meaning of the film where there's four characters between... Him, Finn, Ray, and Ben, like they're all really trying to sort of find their purpose in this galaxy. And I do think for him, his part of his journey is sort of overcoming cockiness and overcoming um, self-assuredness to the point where it endangers people's lives. You're demoted. Well, wait, we we took down a dreadnought. At what cost?
3: You start an attack, you follow it through. Poke your head out of your cockpit. There. There are things that you cannot solve by jumping in an X-Wing and blowing something up. I need you to learn that. There were heroes on that mission.
0: Dead heroes. No leaders.
2: Mm-hmm. To
0: where, you know, Leia you know, specifically told him, you know, um, a lot of heroes, but dead heroes.
1: So- I feel like we get the same scene three times with him, though. We get the... There's a lot of heroes. They're dead heroes. We get the... Uh, scene where he tries to get uh, Holdo to say, Hey, what what's going on? And she just verbally eviscerates him. We get the scene where... He and Leia are sitting on that bench. And she kind of says, like... Hey, listen. You need to trust the process. Like... Those scenes all have the same energy and the same message. So I don't know that he has necessarily done a disservice, but I do feel like the narrative has done a little bit of a disservice. Because if it was, hey, stop being a hero. Like I feel like the the there needs to be, if you're doing that similar type of scene three times, there needs to be three clear lessons. Hey, stop trying to be the hero. Hey, you're not in charge here. I need you to trust the mission. Hey, see what happens when you trust the mission. You know? Like, it it doesn't flow super organically, even if that's kind of what the intention is, if that's where kind of the compass is pointing. And I'm not saying you need to turn it into a Care Bears special, because you don't. But right now it's just kind of like, Hey, stop being such a fuck-up. Hey, stop being such a fuck-up. Hey, see what happens when you're not such a fuck-up? Like, and I'm like, okay.
0: Well, yeah, I think, I mean, I think even when we get to Luke and uh, Yoda on the island and, you know, he says, you know, failure so is the biggest teacher, the best teacher. I think that's kind of it. Like, he fails all those times. And he's someone that is not used to failing. He's, he's mm-hmm. someone comes in, saves a day. Everyone's on his dick, and then he keeps, he keeps doing the same thing. But it isn't until he really fails that he knows that, well, you know, these important women that are above me, maybe maybe they know what the fuck they're talking about.
1: Well, I think, I think if Leia, if it was Leia the whole time, he would have no issue listening. Because I, I do genuinely get the sense that he respects her more than Holdo. And I don't know if it's because Holdo is more, like, high-femme. Or if it's just, like, he doesn't know her. I couldn't really tell if there was meant to be some coding there or not. Also, I realized you can't really tell right now because of how I have my hair styled. But, like, I have Holdo's haircut oh, no, no, and color. I
0: knew,
1: I knew that, yes. I knew that, yes. Uh, oops. Uh, <laughs> but, uh... Because I feel like in a movie of a lot of subtle character moments. Like, a lot. Like, I literally have like, a little key. I don't think you can see it, and it doesn't matter because it's a listening thing. But in my notebook, every little, like, subtle character moment that I noticed, I put a little, like, exclamation point next to. And I'm just, like, riddled with exclamation points, and none of them are Poe Dameron's.
0: I mean, he's not a subtle character. Like, he's really about, let me blow the ship up.
1: Yeah, but, like, Chewie has, a like, a subtle moment with the Porgs. The Porgs! Chewie's not as
0: aggressive as anybody else. Porgs. He's not
1: aggressive. Uh, So I feel like if he just got one moment of like, we actually saw him like internalize any of this.
0: Oh, hold on, no, we, we get that. Whenever, whenever, um, at the end, and then the salt planet and, mm-hmm. well, Lucas like, well, he's, uh, Finn wants to go defend Luke. We should go fight with Luke. like, no. Luke is defending us so we
1: can So we can GTFO and follow the Pokemon. Um, I was like, yeah, those, damn,
0: those were fucking Pokemon.
1: I love them. I love Krait. I love that whole planet. Uh, I also do like his little opening, like, Hi, I'm looking for general hugs. Urgent (laughs) message about his mom. Like yes queen slay step on my throat oscar isaac um oh wow oh wow <laughs> i mean like i say that but like in in my heart of hearts i mean like episode seven poe dameron but like oh, well
0: yeah of course
1: <laughs>
0: that goes without saying
1: uh, I'm i'm sure cool. oscar isaac is a very nice man i'm sure he's listening right now um so you know hey g- great work
0: I'm sorry you didn't get to make out with Finn in episode nine.
1: Me too. That would have been fun. <laughs> uh, All right.
0: So let's actually, let's, so I think so, we should pivot to more things about Jedi that we love. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I know you said initially that this may be your, your um, favorite Star Wars. Uh, for me personally... Um, on my letterbox, I do have the uh, uh, canonical power rankings for the Jedi films, mm-hmm. and number one is The Last Jedi with five stars. So mm-hmm. for me personally, like it is, it is my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, from everything that the movie is to what it's set up and the potential that it could be for Episode Nine and the future, I think it sets it up everything extraordinarily well um i was i was moved when you know Leia's in the ship it blows up but then she's not dead i remember having a visceral reaction when that
1: happened
0: yeah when that happened i legit had any sort of like uh theories i had about the movie and went out the window
1: right like this was the first one that released after she died and it was still almost a year after she died yeah yeah. Um, and like, you know, for, for those of you who like, don't know me very well, because this is a podcast, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily your friend. Uh, I have a bracelet that I wear every day in, uh, Arabesh, the Star Wars language that said, what would Carrie Fisher do? <laughs> nice. Like, that is a character that means a lot to me. And I was like, okay, you know what? Like, if, if this is it, this is it.
0: Yeah, I was, I was. I was
1: like, for it. and and the fact that it wasn't, I thought, was a really uh, strong choice. It was a bold fucking choice, man. She was more interested in protecting the light than she was seeming like a hero. Until I saw nine and realized that like strong choices are dead. Um, <laughs> well, that's
0: well, we're not gonna. Let's sit, kind of save nine until a little
1: bit more. Let's just
0: and let's yeah. live in the the joy of Jedi. So,
1: um, the first like big note that I have that I think is so important and I think is really representative of this film as a whole is Rose's sister Paige. Yes, yes. Who's on the bomber? She's only in the movie for what, like a minute and a half, two minutes maybe. Yeah. And she has so much character. She has so much strength, she has so much hutzpa. she has all this like tenderness in there too. and she doesn't say that much.
0: I don't think you I don't think she says anything.
1: <laughs> I think she I think she like makes a dramatic like huh! when she like falls but yeah. that's about it you know but watching her kick the the ladder and like seeing that determination in her face like that to me is one of the first big like little character moments that he does. Where I'm like, right, Paige has been in the resistance since they were rescued from her planet, obviously. Like, all those pieces just immediately kind of fit together in my mind. And so then when we meet Rose, and we see that she has the other half of the pendant, without her even having to say, before she even says, like, my sister died this morning, you're like, oh, oh, okay, you know, the, all the implied connections, I think, are really good. I also think uh, the scene where we kind of catch back up with Rey, and, you know, it leaves off right where last, uh, or uh, Force Awakens leaves off. You know, she's holding out that lightsaber to Luke Skywalker. It even kind of recaps a little bit. Like, she's still on them stairs, uh, and she hands that lightsaber over, and without breaking eye contact, he just throws it into the ocean.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was... I remember when I first saw that, and I was, I was, I was, my earliest memories of this movie is me being very happy I didn't know what the fuck was coming next. Like, I was very happy that none of this shit was predictable.
1: Yes. I also feel that it was, when we first saw it, there was a mix of people, like, genuinely laughing, and people going, "Ah!" like... Because it is a very funny moment, but also when the whole last movie was leading up to her handing him this lightsaber, for him to just immediately go, uh, "I don't need, I don't need this," is yeah. is very funny. Uh, one just like little detail that I noticed this time around: uh, Luke has a uh, Darth Vader's kyber crystal hanging in his house. Oh, he did! I damn,
0: I didn't. I never noticed that.
1: Yep, he has uh, his dad's like red, busted uh, kyber crystal hanging uh, next to his door. Also, the scene transition to Where's Han with the lift door opening to Kylo Ren yeah. is such <laughs> a good transition. The thing that I always say about this movie, and when I try to explain to people maybe this is why it feels a little bit like the red-headed stepchild of the Star Wars family, is because it feels a little more curated and choreographed than i think the other star wars movies do
0: oh yes and i was i was actually about to bring that up in in defense of the canto bite plot because yeah. they do a lot in that a lot of people you know they kind of dismiss the canto bite scene because it doesn't like,
1: go anywhere
0: Yeah, but, so, in the piece that I wrote, so basically I wrote about Skywalker, the rise of Skywalker, but I also, there's no way to write about Skywalker and not write about Jedi, so Mm -hmm. I have to write about Jedi, and so the point I, I wrote about Cantabite specifically, the Cantabite plot function on multiple levels, first to show the ramifications of war, slavery, capitalism, and their effects on the Star Wars universe as a whole outside of the Skywalker family. It gives viewers pragmatic reasons as to why the rebellion has been raging through different generations, something that none of the previous films explore beyond our heroes battling the Empire or the First Order firsthand. Seeing the extremes of planets and spaceships being blown up hold weight, but watching child slavery, animal cruelty, and the wealthy elite class being built on the armed dealings to the Resistance and the dangers of uh, and the dangerous consequences of nihilism through D.J they all have an effect as well. So there's a lot of subtle things that he built that Ryan Johnson built into this movie that yep. aren't even touched in the other movies. And we we praise the original trilogy, but there's not much outside of the Skywalker family that you can really hold on to that kind of tells like a significant story about the Star Wars universe.
1: But also not for nothing here like I think that episode 8 I think that The Last Jedi really teaches an important lesson about failure.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And, yeah, okay, so maybe the plot doesn't go anywhere. But, like, you see Finn fail his new family despite the fact that he has a strong personal victory in taking down Phasma. You see Rose try to deal with the fact that maybe her sister died for nothing if she can't do this. You know, there's a lot of moments in there about failure. And even DJ, like, DJ has a lot of weird character moments. Oh, Like, as soon as he kind of squeezes <laughs> onto the scene, yes, I was like, okay, so this man has just been hanging out a while. And, like, he knows a lot more than he's letting on. He knows exactly who to sell information to. And he knows exactly what he's doing. Like he he gets it.
0: My favorite, my favorite part of DJ is literally his last scene.
3: Take it easy, Big They blow you up today. You blow them up tomorrow. It's just business. You're wrong.
0: Maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like, he is, he is not overrationaling a lot, like, overrational in, in knowing that, you know what, he probably did fuck up. But in this moment, I did not. And mm-hmm. so, it's like, you have a person who, innately, he is a nihilist, but at the same time, he's, he's a realist. And so,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think initially, you know, even in the original Star Wars movie, Han kind of was some was similar to that, but Han isn't nearly as sort of cunning and as smart as DJ is in this time, in this one movie.
1: Yeah. I also feel like the moment where he gives the bracelet back or the necklace back. Yeah. And I think, like, I, I'm pretty sure he says, like, see.
0: <laughs>
1: like, is such like, a like...
0: He, he brushes her off. He gives it back. This This piece of heartfelt family heirloom, he gives it back and chews her away.
1: It's so great! (laughs) Get your sentimentality away from me. We don't have time. I just Um, want to conduct this current.
0: mm -hmm. That's
1: it. So, I guess... uh, So, Space Laura Dern, in my mind, is the most best. Uh, And her distress when she sees the transport starting to get shot down... And how she chooses to channel that energy may make her, like, one of my favorite side characters in Star Wars. Like, I'm aware she's not in it very long. I'm aware she doesn't do that much. But, like... Oh, she does the most in a great way. Watching her resolve just harden harden and harden and harden and harden and harden and harden until the point where she just goes, All right. Like... Let's let's dance, fuckers! Like is really
2: so. You,
0: so you're telling me you didn't have a problem with the hole in the mover? Because I did not. I had zero
1: that. I, I had no problems with that. Uh, I also do appreciate that they acknowledge in nine that it is probably very unlikely to pull off again. I I kind of hate it when they dismissed it in nine. Man. Well, okay, so. I'm sorry, I'm stealing another thing from Blank Check. Blank Check, hi. I guess this just means you should be on our podcast. Um or maybe we should be on yours, I don't know. Uh regardless, you have a bigger listener base, so I guess we can come to you. Uh so they say that they they did an episode about Mad Max Road Warrior this weekend. Uh, and they said something along the lines of uh watching episode eight and then watching episode nine is like watching a kid spend two weekends with his parents who just got divorced you know so eight sets out a set of rules and then nine says well i don't know what you heard last weekend but you know you can't hang out with them you can't do this this isn't realistic but i mean i guess i guess we'll let you watch an r-rated movie will that make you calm down you know
0: yeah uh skywalker is like you go to the the dad that you only see maybe once every uh seven months and they just let you take the blockbuster video card and do whatever with it.
1: Yeah, cuz they don't really care. Yeah. Um one of the things that I noticed in this movie is that I think Kylo Ren is the protagonist.
0: Um that is interesting or, to explore. Or at least the
1: main character.
0: No, no, that's that's very interesting to explore because well the only the only the only aspect of his character in this movie in particular is that, you know, he does he is responsible for, you know, destroying uh, one of the rebel ships will cause as many many people's deaths. Um, he does kill Except
1: he, he doesn't do it.
0: No, he, he like shoots he shoots like parts of the ship up. He doesn't blow, Until he like,
1: senses his mother.
0: Yeah, that aspect. Yeah, he didn't blow up that part, but like, you know, whenever Finn gets nothing, uh, whenever Poe gets blown back, yeah, from, like he he is the one who blew that up. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, he he murders people in this movie, but extrapolate that more though from your perspective. Um, do you think that? Well, why do you think that he's protagonist?
1: So in my mind, he and Ray are at least co-leads to this movie. Um, but I think that he gets a little bit more attention because he gets a little bit more individual time. Um, because I also feel like he is the one that has the big journey in this movie. So he, he starts by kind of being fallen because he couldn't kill Ray. Great. So he starts already in a fairly low status position and we see him work his way up and up and up and up again and then get fed up. Get pushed to his breaking point. And then that's when he starts to waver. And there's a lot of energy and time that this movie puts on his waver. Um, and even like when he's talking with Ray, right? Or like through um, the whatever kind of force tele- telepathic whatever they've got. I mean, great. Okay, initially he starts with a neg by being like, you're not strong enough to do this. Uh, this effort would kill you. But like, He then starts asking empirical questions. Can you see my surroundings? I can't see yours. Where are you? What's going on? How did this happen? You know, he's immediately trying to figure out, build, adapt, overcome, grow with, seduce, question mark? Like, there's a lot of stuff that he's doing. And I feel like he's a lot more active than Ray in a lot of areas of this movie. I've been kind of have equal billing um I think I think he gets it but just a little bit because I just I think he gets it but just a little like they would probably split their curtain call at the end if this were like a play. But I feel like he is the central thread of this narrative for this movie.
0: Well, in defense of that, Luke's failure is because he failed Ben. And a lot of, you know, Luke's reckoning is about the fact how he failed Ben. So I do agree with that. Um, I do think though there there are a lot more quiet moments with Ray that we get you know mm-hmm. through, the, through the mystical butthole um, <laughs> um, even through her dealings with the um, scrotum looking dude I'm playing on his name um, <laughs> um, but I think they I think Ryan Johnson tried his best to sort of balance it out because I do agree at the end of the movie if this were a curtain call, it would have to be like, them two together. And that's another thing that I really do appreciate about this movie is because um he is like he not is, like he did establish what could have been like the ultimate, you know, and in nine, it really could have been about their sort of struggle against each other. And like I said, we're I I think we should not really focus on Nine too much, but yeah. I think I think the potential of this movie was really gearing towards something that that had a lot of greatness in it yeah um,
1: but... so one conversation that my dad and I were having earlier today was do these movies really need to exist And I said, I don't know because to me seven is a nice introduction of our new characters with revisiting our old characters. And eight led me to believe that they had a plan, and I think that eight may have bamboozled me somewhat.
0: Oh no, it, it's not a bamboozle. It's not. It's not Ryan's fault what they did with nine. And so I think to answer your dad's question, even even like what we talked about, even just in the cancer stuff. like if you can extrapolate different ideas from cinema and the cinema tell this bigger story about what life is what life should not be what life can be I think there's a lot from this movie that you can extrapolate yes. in positive ways
1: I agree um, I also think that the thesis of this film is very much let the past die, kill it if you have to yeah, and I think that he was trying to lay that down as the series thesis.
0: Yeah. Like, I, I'm thinking, think of like a, think of like a perfect, a perfectly cooked steak. It's, it's perfectly seasoned. It's, it's medium rare. It's nice, pink, warm center.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then put it in between two pieces of white bread. <laughs> That's that is what episode seven and what episode nine effectively are. Like those two movies don't really have any depth
1: at all. Okay, I feel like seven at least is like, hey, we heard you liked white bread, so we made you like a nice fresh <laughs> dough of white bread. Like here it, you go. It wasn't. It
0: wasn't quite Wonder Bread. It was a little. No. It, it was, was a like a nice.
1: Bread. Yeah, you got like a nice like Tuscan loaf at like Wegmans or whatever, right? Great. Um I feel like 9 is like here's some wonder bread. Like <laughs> this is this is like a bread food stuff. This isn't even
0: It's the butt of the bread that no one Yeah.
1: Has. It But like one of the things that I think is really hard now is I I struggled watching 7. After watching eight, because I feel like eight is such a stylistic elevation of the series in the visual language, even in the script language, like the the language language. That was articulate. I'm a film journalist. Um, It it flows. It works. It makes sense. Right. Yes. The leap from eight to nine feels like falling backwards. Yes. But also trying to go back to eight For me, and this is the part where it really, I struggled, was when Kylo Ren and Rey have that moment of connection, even though she chooses not to stay, over, you know what your parents were, you're nothing, you don't belong in this story, but you're here anyway, and you matter to me. Yeah. Because that is... The reason that she might stay and go bad—that's the reason he might leave and go good. That's the tension of this, right? Adam Driver is such a great actor, man. Yeah, keep oh, on. it's so good. Um, but when that is taken away, they, watching this scene is so—they fumble. They sweaty, crunchy, sticky. It's just gross because you're like, no, he knows. Like, it is established that he knows. So then it has nothing to do with her, the fact that he's interested. He's interested in her in a way that a kid is interested in, like, a frog nailed on his biology table. Like, I want to know how this works. Like, it's not... It's not... So much of the thesis of this movie is it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter who you are let the past die kill it if you have to that's the only way to move forward that's the only way to be stronger and then 9 is like how about some past
0: how about and, some past squared <laughs> past with like, some cheese on top
1: it, it i just feel like it took to this movie's beautiful finished product and this movie's nice beautiful like lacquer like sandpaper it's still really nice. It was still really well lacquered, but now there's this big sandpaper dent in it because it is part of a trilogy.
0: Yeah. So here's here's a, a part of my letterbox review that I wrote about Last Jedi.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ryan Johnson achieves many remarkable feats with The Last Jedi, but the subtle way he transitioned the focus of the Star Wars universe away from the Skywalker lineage and gave the franchise to this new generation of heroes and villains, with a long-term plan that Disney should have appreciated. Luke, quote-unquote, died. Leia was a distant guiding hand to the Rebels, and Kylo seemed to be fully committed to move beyond the shadow of Darth Vader. Like, it's... So, I, my... I do think... I, Like I said, I, I kind of... I don't really want to harp on Skywalker, but... I, and I said this in other episodes that I do want to give it a lot of time between I watch Skywalker and, with, and between the next time I watch Skywalker because I kind of want to just let it breathe, give it some room, and then revisit it to see if it's really as bad as my initial thoughts of it. Because I, I only saw it once um, the second time I did not pay to see that shit. I definitely snuck in the movie to see it. Um, and even a, if, if we have a feature super-duper feature episode uh, in December, if um, I think we should revisit it officially, then at least give it a year apart because...
1: I would really like to revisit it in the context of J.J. Abrams' other work. So I, I would really like to, say, maybe watch Star Trek from 2009, which is a movie that I hold in surprisingly high regard. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. Like, that movie was not... And even, and even, um, the, the whatever, Into Darkness. I have a lot of issues with it, but it's not bad. The reason that I feel like people don't like this movie is because so many people built up their entire sense of, like, what being a man is and what being normal is and what being a guy is and who they are based on Luke Skywalker.
0: Yep, I wrote about that also, yes. So when
1: Luke Skywalker is not what they need him to be, they don't know how to process. And this is the lesson.
3: That force does not belong to the Jedi. To say that if the Jedi die, the light dies is vanity. Can you feel that?
1: And also, like not only is Luke Skywalker not what they need to be, but the next person in line is- (gasps) A GIRL! No. And like... Get over it. Yeah. You know, like... The thing to me is that this movie comes at you with so much stuff, so fast, and so much information, but I never feel like it's rushing it.
0: It does not rush it at all.
1: I feel like even the little moment of, like, I don't want to do this right now. I don't either. Don't you have a towel you can put on or something? You know, just that energy of, like...
0: She wanted to see them pecs.
1: I mean, listen. She does <laughs> this face in Seven when she's trapped that interrogation table, and he takes off his mask... And she does this face. And I went to go see this movie at the time with the person I was dating. Midnight showing. Like the whole shebang. And she does this face where her eyebrows go up and her eyes widen just a little bit. And she pushes her head back onto the table. And I said, oh, she just did the oh no, he's hot face. (laughs) He's not grotesque. I really (laughs) hope that this is a knee jerk reaction and not going to become a running part of this movie series. Yeah, uh, yeah. I um, had hope. It was wrong hope, but I had hope. Was the last hope. <laughs> well, so I was cool. hoping that in this one, right, because like it's a little bit tensiony, but it's also a little bit like, oh my god, like just put a shirt on, come on, like you know, like your roommate that like you can't believe like is walking around like that. Yeah. And I kind of dug it better ambiguous. I think this movie does a really good job of making it ambiguous because like. Kylo Ren ain't slick. In, in the tradition of Skywalker men, uh, he ain't slick. Like even even when he professes
0: and his, pleads for her to, to come with him at the end, yeah. It's not even in a sexualized way. It's like he's he's sort of begging for someone who he identifies as his equal. And he doesn't want to be alone in this to come with him.
1: Yeah. And in, in a way, it's almost a little sibling-y. Yeah, like, it's, it's not sexual tension at the end of that movie. Because also, not for nothing here, but, like, the the literal line is, you're nothing, but not to me. And the, like, amount of time between you're nothing but not to me, is very long.
3: It's time to let old things die. Snoke. Skywalker. The Sith. The Jedi. The Rebels. Let it all die. Rey.
0: I want you to join me. We can rule together and bring a new order to the galaxy. Don't do this, Ben.
3: Please don't go this way. No, no, you're still holding on! Let go! Do
0: you want to know the truth about your parents? Or have you always known? Are you just hidden it away? You know the truth. Say it. Say it.
3: They were nobody.
0: They were filthy junk traders. Who sold you off for drinking money? The dead in a pauper's grave
3: in the Jakku desert. You have no place in this story. You come from nothing.
0: You're nothing. But not to me.
2: Join me. Like, it
1: almost is like he needs to see, oh, that hurt her. Oh, I don't want to hurt her. I should probably reiterate that she is not nothing to me. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I can understand why she decided to trust him. Because she made her first friend, like, two weeks ago. (laughs) I get that. That's her naivete. I see that. I understand that. I like that as a choice, honestly. I understand that he thinks, hang on. If I can get her to come to me, maybe I can change the tables. I can understand, oh my god, I've spent a lot of time with this person in my head. Maybe they're not as bad as I think. So, I understand everything that happens in this movie from their perspectives. And that is a thing that I think is so powerful and also underutilized in the the next installment. In a way that I think is really tragic. Also, BB8 is the man. Like <laughs> god. God, what a guy. What a guy. What a guy.
0: So, my I'm going to leave my last thoughts to Something not one another piece that I left my letterbox about Jedi. Um, the scale and scope of the film's beautiful landscapes and environments, the promise of the the promise of original and vibrant Star Wars stories, and the special heroes that I was becoming to grow fondly over is the reason why I believe the Last Jedi is the best Star Wars film to date. The potential in this film is copious, in the ability to tell in-depth stories with these complicated and nuanced space warriors is all there. So, like I said, my, my last thoughts on Jedi is it's, it's number one, um, Empire is number two, um, but I think this movie is incredible. Um, what, before we transition to Knives Out, though, uh, what are some of your last thoughts on The Last Jedi?
1: That throne room sword fight scene with that sexy red, Jesus oh. Christ. If I could powder that and snort it, I would.
0: It was great. It was fucking
1: great. Um, that, to me, is probably the best good versus evil will-they-won't-they they Star Wars moment. And, to me, it is also the beginning of what I hoped 9 would be about. The idea that it is about not the ultra-good or the ultra-bad, but the livable places in between.
0: Yeah, there's there's not extremes in this movie.
1: There is no person who comes out of war looking good. And that is a point that I hoped would be continued.
0: You, you know the dismount. <laughs> you know the dismount, yes. I I
2: totally fucking agree. My daddy's podcast is called Hyphenation. It's the world's greatest podcast. Obama proofed on hyphenation. My daddy talks about all kinds of cool things. And sometimes I'm on the
3: podcast too.
2: Sometimes he has his friend Marcus on. Sometimes he stays up really late and he's tired the next day. But it's worth it. But he loves his podcast. And I love his podcast. So I really want you to listen to hyphenation. So daddy doesn't get sad. He really doesn't get sad though because he has me. Alright, please listen to hyphenation. Thanks y'all. I love the podcast. So please, please, please try to join. But if you know it. Perfect. Thank you. Can we hear it now? I'd actually forgotten
0: that I gave Knives Out five stars on Letterbox <laughs> until this afternoon, mm-hmm. and it was incredibly deserved. <laughs> like I, I for I know why, but I I went to see Queen and Slim. It was fucking atrocious,
1: and I to make up for it, I snuck in to see Knives Out, and you it should was, maybe not be like admitting this super loud on a public platform. Like, I know that movie theaters aren't going to exist after this, and that's fine, but, like... Yeah. Well,
0: I didn't... Well, I haven't said which there it was, so the conglomerate, they may be bankrupt in, like, five days anyway, so... uh,
1: Ah! Ah! Is it one for which a uh, television channel is perhaps also named? Uh, no. (laughs) No. AMC... uh, I'm actually...
0: I've been thinking about that, how kind of sad... It is um, to just even we all know movie theater shit is super expensive, you know. But I just think the idea of just opening night, the Thursday night release, you know, being excited to be a part of the crowd to see a movie, yeah, like that shit is is gonna die and. That and in ways that that does you know make me sad.
1: I'm just like, I'm. This is like a dumb thing to be sad about. Like, there's definitely a part of me that's like upset that that part of like date dating culture is gone or is going to oh, yeah. be gone. Because like, I love, I love. Like, ask any person I've ever dated, and like. I love movie dates.
0: No, like movie dates. I mean, it's one. It's a it's a good way to su- sort of suss out like who you're dealing with or not. Like mm-hmm. you you really get to know people's taste. You get to at least if you do something beforehand, you kind of elongate the period of hanging out with them, and then afterwards you get to talk about the movie. Kind of get a sense of to be frank if they're smart or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also if you're just a line as well. So, yeah, like the movie, the movie dating thing, like the theaters out here, they they even like, um, you can buy like whole ass dinners and meals and like no mm-hmm. like just just that experience of having something to look forward to for those two hours. Like now, mm-hmm. t- it's kind of like. Well well one, I don't think it's really safe for a woman to be like, Well yeah, let me go to the stranger's house to watch a new release. Like it's that aspect is not what you want, at least in the beginning.
1: So Yeah, I uh I'm trying to think the last person I dated, we had like hung out three or four times and a friend had set us up. Like a friend knew who this person was and like knew we were hanging out. So if anything happened Yeah. Which like it didn't but like on the off chance like every time i think i've gone and this is not indicative of the the boys that i choose to to date or the people that i choose to date but i would say that it is indicative of the the world in which we live where the idea of going to someone's house on a first date is like or not even a first date going to someone's house for the first time like i said i hung out with this person like 3 or 4 times before i went to their house for the first time and i was like there's still a moment where I was standing on their porch and I was like, okay. Yeah. And, like, this was a person I, like, knew and liked by then. I
0: know, well, this is definitely not a, a space for victim blaming. Um, but it's a question of, like, you know, people just being safe as possible. And, like, well, one, men, I don't think people should be just inviting strangers to their house regardless if they're a man or woman. And, like, if you're a woman in particular, like, men should really be, cognizant of the fact that like you're putting this woman in this very precarious position like she's in your house like there's a level of being uncomfortable that you know you really shouldn't put women into um and movie dates are like even on the elementary sense, just movie dates are are dope like they're fly like they're and especially with the good movie theaters that are like their movie theaters have bowling alleys in them yeah Like, like you can literally have like a day. Yeah, like, because, like, you can have, like, you can play, like, arcade games before the movie starts. Like, like an hour, 45 minutes before the movie starts. The movie's over. There's a fucking bar there. You get yeah. a drink at the bar, like. so Yeah, yeah or if
1: it's fun. a theater in a downtown area, like a lot of the ones in Boston, you know, maybe you, you grab some apps before. You grab popcorn with the movie. You grab a drink after at a different bar. So, you know, then you also kind of get to flex on, like.
2: My cool city <laughs>
1: and these cool places I know. Yeah. Because, like... <sighs> yeah. I'm trying to think, like... Yeah, because I've had good dates to see a bunch of the Marvel movies for the first time. I've had good dates. I had a really good date to see The Man from U.N.C.L.E. It's such a good thing that I, I hope will continue after all this. But I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't anxious about the movie-going experience starting to go.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And Knives Out is a movie that I saw three times in theaters so far.
0: Damn, really?
1: Yeah. So I went to two different press screenings for it because I liked it so much. Uh, And also... uh, I wish. Well, the first time I went to the press screening, I brought someone with me. And I, like, it it was like a date. And so there was a little bit of that, like, oh, God, it's like a date energy yeah it's so, like i saw deadpool 2 on a first date or like a second date really <laughs> but like a first oh, like man. date really and like i really don't remember a lot of deadpool 2 because there was so much of that like ah it's a date oh god he put his armor on the back of my chair what do i do what do i do like yeah. energy this didn't have that as bad because we were both super into the movie uh but like there was still a lot of that. So when another press screening came, I was like, screw it, I'll go again. Like, that was really fun. I liked that movie. And like, hey, Chris Evans in that sweater. Uh, kahoy. Uh, so. <laughs> Kungaloosh. Uh, so. I went to go see it again. With a different press audience. And I was like, shit, this, like, kind of rules. Like, I was expecting, knowing the ending, which I don't think we should spoil. Because, like, it's hasn't been out that long, really. Okay. Alright. I mean, I guess we we can, uh, but like... Eh, spoiler warning. Yeah. Spoiler warning. If you enjoyed this part of the, like, up till now on the podcast, thank you so much. Uh, our outro is the same every week. Uh, <laughs> you know, find us on your internet. Uh, but anyway, so I think that this movie holds up to repeated viewing super well. Because there are so many character moments and little detail moments and moments that again feel curated and choreographed and connected
2: yeah
1: and it it is such a fun journey even if you already know where the destination is Yeah. um so i i decided to pull my initial review which i wrote uh after seeing it for the first time and then was revised slightly after seeing it the second time um
0: give us I think a couple. F- yeah give us a couple of lines
1: The first time, I'm pretty sure that I was a little too harsh on it.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So my my opening line, which I still think is very accurate, is, Ah, 2019. The year of the rich people are weird, am I right, movies? Uh, (laughs) With no deeper understanding. Knives Out is a whodunit that really banks on rich people being weird. Is funny trope that I've been noticing a lot. da 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 -da, the film is an aesthetic dream, which is like all of his films are aesthetic dreams, I'm learning. The house is gorgeous, blah-blah-blah, blah-blah-blah-blah. Everyone in the family has a simple character identity that is often funny and sometimes predictable, though they are all furthered through subtle character moments and interesting turns of fate. The cast is all great and clearly having a great time. Daniel Craig's Texan question mark accent is a weird and tumultuous nightmare scape, but it consistently made me chuckle. Uh, Ana de Armas is excellent as Martha. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Um, Chris Evans in that New England-looking cable-knit sweater and that sweet 70s coat and that car. Oh, God, I think it's my new sexuality. In a post-Last Jedi world, Ryan Johnson made an aesthetic Candyland of a film with switchbacks, meanders, and all the things he was criticized for in the Star Wars universe. He made the movie he wanted. Is it high art? Yes and no. Uh, But it's not trying to be. It does it entirely by happenstance. It's a fun romp through a mystery house with stylized characters and endearing elements and a good mystery to tell. There are tons of little jokes and Chekhov's guns scattered throughout. Uh,
0: is the movie... Well, I don't, I don't think you're harsh, but I'm thinking about the question you asked. Is a movie high art? Yes and no. Even just think of the the first, like, three minutes of the movie. Actually, the first two minutes of the movie is going in different rooms of the house and how Mm -hmm. interesting and how cool the house looked like. The house itself is just art. Like, everything Mm -hmm. in the house is art. The the circle of knives in the house, like, Mm -hmm. uh, the house house is a character in itself. Uh, Yeah. Which I think he built, like, extremely well.
1: I don't... This house is real, by the way. Like, this is a house in Massachusetts.
0: Oh, yeah. You said you stalked it once or twice before?
1: Uh, I, I did research. <laughs> I didn't actually stalk the production. I do have a friend who worked on the production, though, who was, like, a set de- uh, decorator. And she kind of told me where everything was, which is cool. Nice. Yeah, um... I don't. I think that this movie is trying to be a good mystery, and by not taking itself too seriously, while simultaneously trying very hard to be a good film, to me is what makes it art, if you want to call it art. But that to me is what elevates it, you know? Every character is performing elevated every joke is landing hard like everything about it is curated and well done but also it's not trying to be like okay here's my commentary on murder and rich white people like it's not hammering it in it's like i don't know if you saw ready or not which is was advertised i would say very similarly to knives out despite being a very different type of movie I have not seen it, no. But I feel like that movie was quite good as like a horror, comedy, rich people are weird, a little bit of mystery happening movie. Okay. But I also feel like this, they had se- similar central theses. Which are like, people will do anything, rich people will do anything to hold on to what they have. And they don't think that the rules apply to them. Yeah. I think. And I this think... movie actually has something to say about it, but it's yeah. not trying to hammer down this coastal elite or, like, whatever, like, bullshit messaging. I shouldn't say bullshit because it's not, but, like, whatever kind of messaging is popular on Twitter right now.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, he does a very well balanced look at. Even just sort of extremes of what like wealthy white people are. Well, not the extremes, but the gamut, I should say, of what wealthy white people like potentially are, where there are like, you know, he even says like alt white, uh, alt white, (laughs) alt -alt right people, like little kid, like they they just flat out call him a Nazi or whatever.
3: Jacob was in that bathroom the night of the party.
0: <laughs> oh that's where you were all night what the hell were you doing in
3: the bathroom all night nothing swatting <laughs> syrian refugees no i was not alt-right troll The was snowflake i don't know what any of that means it means your son's a little creep oh my son's a creep
1: guys uh-huh. p- p- walt he was in the bathroom
3: yeah he was in the bathroom joylessly masturbating to pictures of dead deer
1: mm-hmm. but
0: then you have you know, the the daughter... That's
1: a child in the bathroom masturbating.
0: And <laughs> so they have the the girl that, who they call, like, a SJW. Hey, Mac, how's the
1: SJW
0: degree coming?
3: Trust fund prick. All right, guys. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, like, there's also that running bit of, like, I'm sorry I wanted you at the funeral, but I was outvoted. Oh, yeah. And, like, I'll six look- of them say it. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, like, that's the whole thing, too. Like, he's not ham-handed in his approach in that. Like, he's making subtle overtures of, like, even though these people, like, these people, they can either be, yeah, there's some people that are just overtly sort of bad, but then there's people that tell, like, little, oh, yeah, I would have had you there totally, but, you know, I was outvoted. And they, they say it exactly like everybody else, but it's like, so... If it's only like two of you, how'd you all how vote me?
1: Right. So, and so. Also, no. it's it's it feels like a family.
3: Oh, you know what, Richard? You want to go? You bet Skippy, let's go. You want to go? Come on! Oh, no, 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 watch out! No, no, stop! No, stop, no,
1: stop,
2: no, stop!
3: Stop! it! I've been waiting for My whole life. Stop it! I can handle myself. Stop it! I can handle it. My God!
0: Very old <laughs> you got to do this all more right, often. Here. No, I, yes, they yes, he did a great job. And the actors do a great job also. Like, they feel like they've had many a shitty Thanksgiving dinners. Like, years of just shit talking behind each other's back. And, and in front of each other also. Like, they and, feel like... But with, also,
1: if you ever asked them how Thanksgiving was, they would say they had a great time.
0: Oh, I got to catch up with everybody. Else. It was
1: so good to see the family. Yeah, definitely. Like... It's it is very much that energy, and I I love it because that makes it so much more not even realistic necessarily. I mean, I think it does make it more realistic, but I think it makes it more oh, uh,
0: just like oh, realistic like, is a good word, yeah. I,
1: visceral I think, too.
0: Yeah, like that's the thing that's a commonality between these three movies. Like he, Ryan Johnson has a real good way of making people three D. Like these people are, you know, they're complicated, they're in depth, like they have different sides to them. And so yeah, like they can be posers but below the surface, and which is why how uh Jamie Lee Curtis has a great performance. Like she she has a way of like putting on this face of like, Oh yeah, I can be elegant, I can be wise, but I will slit your fucking throat if you try to cross me.
1: But also like, like the moment where she has the invisible ink you know yeah and she like it's like I had to realize like I had to find a way to prove to my dad that I was worthy of communicating with yeah but then I figured it out you know like she's a toughy like she's a survivor she is not very maternal but that's okay yeah you know and finding out you know who she is oh i read your profile of the new yorker and i found it delightful is <laughs> such a like the immediate thought is like coastal elite right you that's kind of the immediate assumption yeah and it just turns into such this this character of like yeah okay so maybe she was like rich but like clearly she grew up in kind of this weird pressure cooker and I don't know if it was of her own creation or if she, you know, whatever, but, like, there's, like, a lot of shit happening here.
0: Definitely, yes.
1: You know, and everybody has moments like that where Joni seems really dumb, but evidently she got away with skimming money off of, you know, <laughs> Christopher Plummer for, like, ever.
0: Yeah, she was finesse queen out here.
1: yeah. You know, so it's really interesting to see how they all kind of line up, I guess.
0: Yeah. Whenever I did um I did my list of like favorite movies I saw in twenty
2: nineteen.
0: Um of of the twenty nineteen movies I would say this falls just I would say it's probably a tie for endgame. Um, but I have it as like my fifth one, my fifth favorite one of the year. but um, but um, I think a lot of things that Ryan Johnson in the cast does, like the tell at the end, uh, the big reveal at the end, like the mm-hmm. movie like if you're gonna make like a, a mystery movie, the reveal has to be worth it. and it totally is.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I also think that like Christopher Plummer as a character,
0: Oh, he was great,
1: man. He's so good. Yeah. I just... I have so much love for that character. He feels very real and balanced and familial without being familiar. Yeah. And, like, he's such a good... Like, this is going to sound very bad, but, like, he's such a good murder victim.
0: <laughs> explain that
1: a bit more. Well, because like you, you die. He dies, and you immediately want to know what well, what happened to him.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, like because in our mind, he's he and Marta are kind of the entry points into this world, right?
2: Yeah.
1: And you see that he's a little bit silly and like, oh, can I have some of the good stuff tonight? It's my birthday. Like, and it's like Morphe, like but it's it's so kind of lighthearted and clever and sweet and you can tell that like the affection there is very real yeah. and that that love there is very real. So you immediately think even though Martha may have done this she didn't do this. Yeah. You know, and it creates these levels upon levels upon levels of just like I want to know what happened to yeah. this like nice man.
0: Yeah, man, like, he, I, I was, my, my granddad on my dad's side, he passed before I was born, really, and my maternal granddad, he was always just kind of, like, in homes, basically, when I was growing up, so, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: like, I would only, I may have only seen him when we visited him at his home, like, um, like, a couple of, like, a couple of times throughout the years or whatever. Mm-hmm. But but um Christopher Plummer, he's definitely the granddad that I would totally love to have.
1: I th- I think he's kind of meant to be that for everybody. Yeah. You know, cuz he he makes such a like even if you he's not your grandfather, like you want him to be your neighbor.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, your neighbor in the weird house that doesn't go outside very often, but, you know, is very nice.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: You know? And I just, I think it it creates such a good, like, when people are, eat shit, eat shit, eat shit, eat shit. You know, like, you know, he knew they would play off each other like that, and it creates such a world and such a moment. Yeah. That I think is really, really strong, while still feeling like a family. You know, is, a heightened family, a comedically heightened family, but a family.
0: Is there anything about this movie that you would have either cut out or change at all? For me, like even the subtle acting of like Keith Stanfield where he has this the ability to be this like super complex, even funny, you know, sort of cosmic kind of guy, like, he is he's really good at doing the straight in this movie.
1: Yep. Um,
0: even the accent. <laughs> my Blanc. my
1: dad is, like, viscerally against this accent. Like, I both love my that. mom and I think it's the <laughs> funniest thing. And my, dad's like, it's too much. It's too far. Like, I don't understand. Like,
0: like that's the whole, like, he's supposed, like, it's supposed to be too much. Like, his name is Benoit Blanc. 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 And he, he, so I guess he's supposed to be. If I had to guess from the name and his accent, I think he's supposed to be like uh, Creole, not Creole, but like, yeah, like Southern Louisiana. Like <laughs> yes, Portland, Daniel Craig, like, the glow in the dark Creole. Like oh my god! Like I think um, I love the accent even even in its ridiculousness. Uh there's like the
1: donuts hole had a smaller donuts hole. It is
3: an immovable fact that I killed Harlan.
1: Yes, you did, yes he did, yes you are, but
3: but I spoke in the car about the hole at the center of this donut. And what you and Harlan did that fateful night seems at first glance to fill that hole perfectly. A donut hole in a donuts hole. But we must look a little closer. And when we do, we see the donut hole has a hole in its center. It is not a donut hole, but a smaller donut with its own hole. And our donut is not a
1: hole at all. Look, look, I... Un-
0: <laughs> like, the, do- the donut hole inside the donut hole... Donut's hole.
1: hole. You, you gotta... Inside the donut's hole, it is the hole that belongs to the donut. Like, it's such a, like... Oh my god, like... Uh, Would I change anything about this movie? Yeah. No. Like, like, no. Um, No. The only only thing I would change about their DVD presentation is that there is no blooper reel. Oh, that would be gold. And God almighty, I want that blooper reel. That would have been gold. Oh, man. I bought it on Blu-ray when I had to go to Target the other day.
0: Hold on. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has a voice cameo in this movie? What? (laughs) He's apparently somebody called Detective Hard Rock. (laughs) 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 Holy shit.
1: Oh, I think he's one of the detectives that you see from, like, the back asking questions. Damn. Damn.
0: Oh, shout out to Frank Oz with the random ass caveat. Oh my
1: god, yeah, no, I literally, when I watched this movie for the first time, I was like, was that Frank Oz? And then everyone was like, yes, it was Frank Oz, and I was like, okay. Man. Uh, I do also like that they have, like, you can look at all of the, the marketing stuff that they released for the movie on DVD. Like, they have, like, a a series of ads where you can like look at thromby real estate and blood like wine publications and flam like wellness products, (laughs) which by the way, I so appreciate a good takeoff on Gwyneth Paltrow's goop.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was a good shot. I like that.
1: Um, would you, what would you give
0: to be a part of the Ryan Johnson universe? Because he's obviously he's getting Joseph Gordon Levitt for multiple movies. Frank Oz, um, he I mean he you know reprised his role as Yoda in Jedi. So I would I'd give a lot
1: to be a part of the Ryan Johnson universe. <laughs> I would really like to be in whatever so i don't don't know what the sequel to knives out is gonna be called yeah Uh, i i myself am hoping for sporks akimbo uh but i know that is unlikely uh i would really like to like be a dead body in sporks akimbo like i don't even need to be like alive like it's fine
0: If I can be a cop, you know, just asking questions to uh, fucking uh, (laughs) Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean,
1: I feel like Benedict Cumberbatch is going to have to be in one of the next ones. Because, like, he always ends up getting in with these weird directors and, like, hanging out for a while.
0: I can, uh. I can see them being brothers in this unit. Uh,
1: he's he's like Matt block <laughs> <God. laughs> No, it would great. have to be like short for like Matthew, spelled like M A T T H E W I E X. Like Sorry. it had, it would have to be some like weird like over overspelling of. Of a really mundane name and but you can call me Matt. Like it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna come out here with this weird Tiger King accent
0: and Oh my god. He um if Ryan Johnson does the Tiger King movie, I will shit. But I'll be there first in line, man. Pandemic or not.
1: <laughs> well, mean. you know that uh uh what's her nuts, uh who is in the Ghostbusters remake. Um, Kate McKinnon is supposed to play Carol Baskin in a movie, right? Oh
0: my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Jeez!
1: I mean, they're really gonna do it, man. Pitter patter! Let's get at her.
0: Who's your favorite character from *Knives Out*?
1: Um, that's really tough because I think my favorite character from like a I relate to them standpoint is probably the probably Harlan like he he very much has like old man who gets tired of everyone's shit energy which apparently I also have uh, <laughs> like I've got a lot of like grandfatherly love for people but I get I get tired um I think my favorite one to laugh at is probably the the kid.
0: The, uh, the Nazi?
1: Yeah. Uh, but, like, when thinking about Knives Out, like, as a as a movie and an experience, I think of, like, Benoit Blanc, obviously. I'm sorry, Blanc. Uh, I think of Jamie Lee Curtis. And I think of, uh... Why can't I think of her name? I'm literally Martha? looking at her on the poster. Um... Marta? No. Oh, uh, Chris Evans. Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. You really eat shit. This is not going to be easy for you, but it'll be good. Nothing good is ever easy.
3: Up your ass, Johnny. You've had your teeth in this family's tit for a long time. Up your
1: ass? Oh,
3: very nice. Oh, Matter of oh fact, God. eat shit. No, no, How's that? No, that. No, fact, do not use that word in front
1: of my son. Eat shit. I eat was shit. Eat you and I would slap Don't that smug smile. Right? Definitely ransom. eat shit. Ransom. Ransom. Eat shit.
3: You can all eat shit.
1: Just that energy that he brings to the kind of the second and third act of the movie. Yeah. I think save it from otherwise being just, like, the 1980s cl- Clue movie, but redone. Because he brings in this element of chaos that wasn't really present before. Yeah. Even though I think there was, like, elements of turmoil or whatever. I think he definitely
0: welcomed that, because uh, this, this has to be post game. So, yeah. like... I knew I know like he was definitely trying to find something to set to basically use, you know, the talent that he like the equity he built up in Marvel. But I want to flip it to where yeah I'm, I'm this beautiful guy I'm I'm kind of cunning I'm thinking on my toes but I'm an asshole. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm pretty sure he he loved playing in this role. Um, I think um. Blanc is my favorite character like I I I don't know I I love Clue going up Um, a lot of mysteries I didn't I couldn't like name off the top of my head like mysteries that I grew up loving other than Clue Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like this is definitely a throwback to like the 30 million dollar dramas that will be like prevalent in the 90s where you just get a good director with a good script let him do his thing um, even if it you know doesn't do like 200 million dollars which was not even the the goal a realistic goal but if we, even if we make our money back and make a good ass movie you know it can still be something that is worthwhile to create um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: So I love this movie on multiple levels because of that
1: I agree it almost feels like a re-debut, because I also feel like this is the first not-sci-fi movie he's made in a really long time. Yeah. I think
0: it's—I didn't bring this up earlier, but I think it's—I think the guy that does Looper does a Disney product. <laughs> like, if you think about the murder and the drug use and the, the hookers and Looper— himself. There are
1: just tits everywhere in that movie.
0: We're gonna give the we're gonna give this guy Luke Skywalker <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> like, and I think it's I think it's incredible. And even in this movie, lines out. He doesn't go ultraviolet. I mean, I'm well. I'm very glad we don't really see the throat slit. Um, we see
1: it. There's one good shot where you see him do it.
0: I I thought he pulled out. I thought they pulled no,
1: out. No, it it it. You see him do it, you see the splash, and then you the door shuts. But it's quick. It's very, like, almost sped up. Do you have the unrated
0: version? Or maybe I blank that out, I don't know.
1: It's not, like, a very long thing. It's very much done on, like, the the way to other things, if that makes sense.
0: Okay. Uh, I mean, even still, like, there's only two... There's, he only catches two bodies in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oppose a looper and I mean do you want to guess How many people died in Jedi Because it has to be in the hundreds Like,
1: but. I mean there's like a Yeah but like there's also not like A lot of like stacks of dead bodies Like it's not like yeah.
0: They vanish into space dust Basically
1: Yeah. Okay so there's a deleted scenes Like Menu there's no I. Okay my only complaint about Knives Out Is that there is no blooper reel <laughs> this is this is my final answer Any? oh my god there's like a, a probably hour plus long set of miniseries narrated by christopher Plummer about designing a murder i know what i'm doing later jesus hilarious <laughs>
0: before we go though, to wrap things up so what are your what are your closing thoughts on the Ryan Johnson trilogy but also is it going to motivate you to check out his past work or are you content with these movies and just want to see what he does in the future
1: I'll probably check out Brick uh, like uh, if I have access to them I'll watch them because I I like his stuff a lot and I'm excited to see kind of how how this started Yeah um that said I'm Excited for Knives Out too. I am worried that it is going to become a, will these make money, make more of these, please. I hope not. So if he goes into, to, you know, kniffs out too, and is like, I have an idea, like, I'm ready, I'm excited to make this, let's, you know, Knives Out, spoons in, like... <laughs>
0: Because he's actually never done—he's never done a sequel. Nope.
1: Uh,
0: well, he's—I mean, he's never done a sequel to his movie. Yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, so I will be interested to see how that goes. I hope it is able to hold a candle to this one. Uh, but I—I I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous about it. I okay, mean,
0: yeah,
1: that's—that's. That's and that, but that's not a any commentary on, Ryan Johnson is Ryan Johnson. It is a commentary on. Sequelizing generally—that is concerning to me. Yeah,
0: yeah, but for me though, I'm—I do want to check out um, at least Brick. Um, Bloom Brothers Bloom has like a, I guess, a 68 on Tomato, so
1: that's not terrible.
0: Yeah, so even at worst, if it's just an average movie, I mean, he definitely improved with his next three projects anyway, so that's good. for me though, he, Ryan Johnson definitely has a blank, uh, a blank check in my yeah. mind. So even if Knives Out Two isn't the very next movie, um, I'm, I'm still checking out the next project he does. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he definitely, he definitely earned that trust for me, man. Because these are, um, you told me off, you know, off camera, like looking at these three movies was a good experience and. I am really glad that we, we did do these three movies in particular because I do think Ryan Johnson is someone who definitely deserves that praise as being one of the best filmmakers that we have out right now.
1: Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Oh, shit. He's from fucking... Um, he's
0: from Silver Spring, Maryland. Shout out to him. He's from... Damn. I didn't even know that. Goddamn. So uh, that is Suburban... Uh,
1: what? find kat at kat Chinetti on twitter twitch and instagram find marcus at show and mad love on twitter and instagram s-h-o-i-n-m-a-d-l-o-v please join our facebook group at we should do this again sometime and follow us on twitter at kat k-a-t and mark m-a-r-c read us at catseesmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrob t-h-e-m-a-r-c-r-o-b.wordpress.com be sure to tip your waitress at katherine Chidetti on venmo this podcast is executive produced by kellen conley and eric greenley under hyphen podcast group in conjunction with it's like a podcast or whatever thanks again for listening we should do this again sometime